Team Talk, episode 15. What do we listen for? The other day, Tara and I were having a conversation, and uh, I was working to be a good listener, as all husbands should. Um, Good job out there, men who are doing that. And um, as I was doing this, she wanted to keep talking for a while, and I said, Hey, T, look, uh, some people call me pastor. I'm, I'm kind of a professional listener. To which her response was, Wade, I'm pretty sure you're a professional storyteller. Oh, man, it cut me right to the core. And then especially since, you know, I promised that she would be on this episode, and yet it seems as though Tara has ghosted me. Once again, Tara, I just want you to know that you are forgiven. I love you. Um, Or maybe I recorded this without your knowledge. (laughs) But um, look, what do we listen for in conversation? You know, I I know me personally, when I'm speaking to someone, um, there's going to be a lot of ha-haing going on. And yet the reality is I'm also looking for something real in a conversation. You know, Uh, I want to see some... uh, some semblance of uh, transparency and truth when I'm speaking to someone. It makes the interaction easier. It it makes the interaction, no matter when or where it is, feel worthwhile. And actually, more than feel, I think it actually is worthwhile, right? Um, With that said, you know, over the last several years of pastoring, I think I've said it before in another episode, I'm always listening to what people have to say as a sort of confession as well, right? Because we all carry some some guilt and some shame and some failure around with us. And especially when it comes to other relationships and other other avenues of communication that we have, we're always messing something up. And um, there's very little forgiveness offered to people in our world, right? There's lots of shame offered, um, very little forgiveness. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm always listening with those types of ears. But also, you know, when I'm talking to someone who's a brother or sister in Christ, uh, I do consistently, even if there's lots of ha-has involved, <laughs> find inroads to, uh, you know, reminding that person of the gospel, And when that person is an unbeliever, then I want to, if not in this conversation, then the next one or the next one or the next one, be continually building and creating that inroads to where that person can hear the good news of Christ's death on the cross for them, uh, maybe for the first time, or maybe in the first understandable way of, of receiving that. All that to say, um, you know, I ask these questions a lot just about in anything that I'm listening to, whether it be a song, a podcast, um, why am I listening to it and what am I listening to? With what ears am I hearing it with? Anyway, all that to say, there's so little of what we do here in South Africa that I can share with you, our teammates, at least in a way that communicates well, that translates well. Uh, And so... Uh, I was thinking about it the other day. I thought to myself, Wade, um, you know, the majority of people have not actually heard uh, a sermon from our church here. And now I will warn you that not all sermons are the same, right? There's good ones. There's bad ones. You know that very well. Um, But I thought just for instance today that I would like to share one of our sermons from our church. And um, this one comes from Ephesians chapter 6. 
it was in, uh, well, it was during the time of, of COVID, and it was when we had several family members of uh, people in our church die, had a lot of people sick with COVID, and we were all struggling. And uh, yeah, so this is this is one of those sermons that came out of that time, and I hope that you enjoy it. But uh, until next time, Wade and Team McComas out. listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. So here's our big idea for today. Stand firm in battle. Jesus has won the victory for you. I realize that we have not been studying Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, so let me get us all caught up to these closing words on warfare in the Christian life that Paul has for us. First, Paul taught the Ephesians that Jesus had reconciled all things to himself. Secondly, Jesus had united all people groups everywhere to himself through his saving work that is received as pure gift by faith through grace. And then finally, that this should lead Christians to lives of thankfulness. But, it will be a battlefield along the way. The dead will be piled high. The unprepared will appear broken on the roadsides, and the grim Prince of Darkness himself, Satan, will be prowling like a lion ready to pick off those who are falling behind. On this battlefield, we will need one thing. A sharpened spear? A well-maintained sword? Years of physical training? Removing all fear and death? Or heroic courage, perhaps? None of that. Or at least not exactly. Jesus will give you all of that. He will be all of that for you. What is the one thing that you need? To be strong in the Lord. Not to be strong in and of yourself. In the Lord and in the strength of his might. Not something that you can produce in yourself. We can produce, we can work up many things in ourselves. We can build up courage. We can practice violence and protection of our neighbor and the ones that we love. We can produce some form of perseverance after failing consistently and then experiencing success. If we were in a physical battle tomorrow, we could grow in the selflessness that is necessary within a group of warriors, a a war band. And we could learn to rely upon the person next to us for our safety and our life and to give all of ourselves for them. But the strength that is necessary for a battle of faith is not a self-grown strength. It is gifted. What does strength look like? We're going to need some visuals this morning 
And Paul, by way of the Holy Spirit, knew that. And so he's given us armor. Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God. In other words, gird up your loins, put on your clothes for work, as the scriptures say elsewhere. And we're going to need all of this strength of the Lord's might being provided to us in this armor because this battle is unique. It is not a straightforward battle. It's not sword on sword. It is a battle of wits and wiles. We're going to need the Lord's strength in us to stand against the schemes of the devil. This is not a battle against flesh and blood. In a battle like that, you could stand in your own power. You could stand and attack and fight and kill. Or, it would be within your power to turn and run and to avoid the battle until you were ready. But this is not a battle that you can run from. It is one that is coming at you and to you. And this battle is not against someone that you can kill. It is not against blood and bone that you can claim victory over. As Eugene Peterson says it in the Message Bible translation, this is no weekend war that we will walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. It is against the rulers, against the authorities, the cosmic powers of this present darkness against the spiritual evil of a world that we do not see. Now these things are invisible, and yet they will manifest themselves to us in physical ways, and our spirits will be oppressed by them. Yet they are no challenge for the Lord, because he has disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. So what armor do we need? First, pull yourself together with the belt of truth. Satan fights against your faith and works to destroy the faith of those around you with half-truths. We should call those lies. Things like, did God really say? Now, I would love to pull out every application and implication of this in the text and in the world. But the truth is that we would be here for the rest of this year as I rail against the lies told to you by this world and by our cultures. Here is what I can say about truth. Each of us in this room comes from a different culture, a different people group, and we are brought together in Christ. It is the one thing that positively we share in common. Another thing that we share in common, a negative thing, is that our cultures lie to us and naturally want to draw us away from Christ. That is what these spiritual authorities and powers do. They use what God made for good and instead turn it to evil. In our world, Satan and his army of evil are working to drive lies in between us like an axe splitting a log Lies about COVID, lies about government conspiracies, lies about vaccines, lies about the peace of the future that could be, lies about where you should find your real identity, like in the color of your skin or the language that you speak or in the type of human that you desire to be with sexually, or that your identity should be found in what you hate. 
that you should define yourself by a lie instead of with the identity that has been given to you in Jesus, that you are a child of God called to a life of thankfulness because of the way that you were adopted. This belt of truth protects you from those lies. This belt of truth does not allow you to keep on keeping up the lies that your neighbor assumes to be true. This belt is Jesus himself who taught us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Do not settle for the lie crafted by a serpent's tongue. Christian, stand firm against it. And you will need the breastplate of righteousness so that when a spear or dagger slip through the shield wall, your heart will be protected. Satan will come to you and say, Oh, Christian, do you think that flimsy piece of metal will protect you from my slain sword? Do you think that righteousness you have to offer will keep you from death and judgment? I have seen the way that you're living. I mean, sure, you try, but you have failed. And he will tell you this. He will work all of his schemes to steal away your assurance. He will work all of his wiles and craftiness so that you will doubt and your church family sitting next to you will see you fallen under the weight of accusation. This is what John told us Satan is all about. He's the accuser of the saints. And the person sitting next to you will say, well, if they can lose heart, if their faith can be destroyed, so can mine. But you can stand up to that accusation and respond with bold force. This is not my righteousness I wear. I wear the righteousness of my Savior who has already stomped on your head, you wicked dragon. Anchored this breastplate of righteousness. Please take this armor given to you because on the day of sin and failure and accusation, you will need a righteousness that comes from outside of you. So when you hear it preached to you each week, when you hear Christ crucified for your sins and raised for your justification, put on Christ and his righteousness. It is for the strength of the whole war band, the whole tribe, the entire army that you are dressed in it. And strap on those gospel shoes which are given to you to give you a supernatural readiness for battle because of the peace that you now enjoy with God. We are all looking for some kind of peace in this life. And we will see glimpses of it. But we might never have it in fullness. In fact we will not. And that's okay. Because Jesus has made peace with you. Through the blood of the cross. These shoes are the forgiveness that you have in Christ and they have been given to you so that you can journey on with courage and confidence sharing that forgiveness with others. You are gifted a readiness to share the gospel in the midst of battle. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The ancient writer Plutarch once asked why a soldier is punished for losing his shield, but not his helmet or spear. And the response that he recorded was this, because the helmet and spear are carried for the protection of the individual alone, but the shield protects every man in the wall, in the, in the shield wall. Your faith is not a lonely one. Look around you to, today, to your left, uh, right, in front of you, behind you. Everyone here is looking to you to hold your shield up in the wall of defense. 
God the Holy Spirit, through God's holy word, has given faith to you. And no matter how weak or strong you feel, that faith is enough to defend against the devil's hellish words to you. And you are not alone. God has also gifted brothers and sisters in arms to strengthen and defend you. We call this the church. The helmet of salvation is the one who calls himself your head. He is the author of your salvation, Jesus. He is the overcomer who is causing you to overcome. Jesus told his disciples and us back in John 16, 13, In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Why should we take heart if only Jesus has overcome? What does that mean for us? Well, Paul assures you and me that we will share in Jesus' resurrection. And again, John says it in this way, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? That's 1 John chapter 5. In the book of Revelation, we read that Jesus conquers and that those who Paul calls more than conquerors do so by the blood of Jesus. Paul makes this last one easy for us. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Last week, we went into great detail about Jesus being the Word and what that means for those who need to hear the good news. Okay, warriors, you are now suited up and kitted out. What is our scheme? What is our battle plan? Well, we already heard. It is to stand. So how do we stand? Here it is. Praying at all times. Pray with seriousness and be leaning heavy on God the Holy Spirit to know how to pray. Because remember, this is not a battle against flesh and blood, but all the spiritual forces of evil. You will need all this armor to pray and think in this way. This is the strength of God and his might. And also keep alert. Stay tactical. Be combat ready at all times. Keep your eyes open so that the enemy does not come and catch you sleeping and unprepared and unaware. Persevere with the knowledge that the Father, through Christ, by the ministry of the Spirit, will carry you through. And pray with soberness, understanding the true and deep need that all Christians have in this war, because we cannot stand on our own or in our own power. And on a final note, Paul told his readers also to pray for him, because he was in prison. So, should they pray for his release? No, rather pray that the Holy Spirit would give him the right words for the right situations to boldly proclaim the good news about Jesus. For us, maybe this sounds extraordinary, but Paul says no. For preachers of the gospel, this is actually the expectation, to proclaim it boldly, even in the heat of battle. It is what ought to be happening. But that kind of standing firm will not happen without prayer. You will fall behind. Which is why we have been taught to pray. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. Or it could easily be said, deliver us from the evil one. In his catechism, Martin Luther taught this 
about why we are to pray this. That our Father in heaven would rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation, and finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. And so, my fellow warriors, today, from this day on, we are called to stand firm. We're not called to advance, to move forward. That advance will be made as Christ, the battle-ready champion of Revelation 19, leads our shield wall one step at a time, pressing the enemy on all sides. This victory is and will be won, and one day you will taste that victory in all of its sweetness. Before we get to that victory, you will face terror. You will glimpse loss. Defeat will feel as though it waits in every blow from the enemy. But fear not. Keep watch. Jesus has undertaken for you. He has defeated Satan at every step. And will one day soon crush his head for good. And the victory will be yours. Stand firm in battle. Jesus has won the victory for you. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.